Hey guys, we're continuing in our series called Building for the Generations, and we've been talking about these seven core values, these values that we're going to build our life on, the values that we're building the church on, these values that not only are we going to live by them, but we're going to pass them on to the next generation, and this is so important. Because we said that, you know, we're in a time in our history, in our families, in the church, in our nation, where we're kind of at a crossroads, if you will. Because uh, never before in the history of the world, I would say, has the biblical values been under attack like they are right now. And so, how are we going to combat that? How are we going to just say, you know what, I'm not going with the flow, I'm, I, I want to be separate. Well, you got to have values. you got to have some standards. you got to have some absolutes, if you will, these lying in the sand moments that you draw and say, you know what, this is where we take a stand. We're not going to move beyond this. And so that's what we've been talking about is these values. They serve as a foundation, if you will, uh, a foundation that we build our lives on, a foundation that we're building the church on. Uh, there's some other things that God has spoken into our hearts to build. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the service, but you guys know that one of the things we're looking at doing is adding 9,100 square foot to the existing building we have now. That adds more kids space, that adds more student space, that adds more worship space for you and me, amen? So it adds all that more space, but, but it also gives us an opportunity to reach more people. To sow into more people's lives and to, to make a difference in people. To give them the hope of the gospel. We're also going to be sowing uh, seeds, if you will, into Triple S High School. We do that every year. We, we believe in them. We love them. And so we're going to sow into them. We're also going to be sowing into Hope Extended. That's a ministry that, that is a part of us, that we have, that offers Celebrate Recovery every week. We feed the homeless on a weekly basis. So we're doing all of that, and all of that is going to come to a head. Turn to somebody and say, next week. Amen. Next week. So we'll have an opportunity to give and be a part of that next week. But again, you don't build anything until you get the foundation right. And so we've been digging this foundation, we've been laying some concrete, and today I want to give you six, number six of the seventh core values, and today I want to talk about worship passionately. Worship passionately. Father, thank you for the privilege to be in your house today. Thank you for the opportunity to just open up your word and share it with the people. Speak into our hearts, help us to hear from you in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you made it today. Mm. Turn to the one you didn't want to talk to and say, you know, you need a whole lot of this. Amen. So good to see you today. Uh, let me ask you this. Has, has this ever happened to you? You're, you're riding down the road and all of a sudden there's this song that comes on. It could be a song that you haven't heard in years and like automatically, you know every word. Come on, has that ever happened to anybody other than me in the house? Like you're riding down the road and all of a sudden, or you're watching TV and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air comes on. Come on, anybody remember that song? Come on, in West Philadelphia, born and raised on a playground where I spend most of my days. Come on, anybody ever? You know that, right? What about Ice Ice Baby? Come on, somebody, anybody remember Little vanilla ice, come on, rolling in my 5.0 with the rag top down so my, I ain't got much hair, amen? You remember that. What, what, what about this one? This is kind of my all-time favorite. Young man, there's no need to feel down. Young man, pick yourself off the ground. 
because you got some YMCA. Amen. Come on, anybody remember that song? My all-time favorite. My all-time favorite. I'm, coming, I'm going back on you now. Are you ready? Some bright morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. To that home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. Isn't it amazing how you can be going down the road and a song comes on or you're watching TV and a theme song comes on on a show and immediately you can remember every word? But if, when you get my age, come on somebody, I can meet you this week and I've got your face and name. Next week, I forgot you. Amen. Like, I, I don't know what your name is. Does that happen to anybody other than me? Thank you, the three of you that are honest. The rest of y'all, you know you're in church. Amen. But that happens. And, and it's the same thing with scripture memorization, right? So there's some scriptures like, boom, I got it. I know where it's at. But then there's other times where it's like, man, why is this, why is this so difficult? I mean, I'm sitting here trying to remember this scripture, but ice, ice is all in my head, and I have no problem remembering that. And I've got to ask myself, why is that? Well, there's a reason for that. You know, scientists tell us that there are these neurons in our brain, and it, it forms strong pathways when paired to certain sounds or certain beats. That's why it's so easy for us to recall certain things when you've got music attached to it or certain beats attached to it. There's these neurons in your brain that, that kind of pair themselves up to that. And you've got to ask yourself, why is that? Because we're musical people. Why? Because we were made to worship. We were created and made to worship. And listen, not just in song, but in many ways. We were created, we were made to worship, but we were made to worship our Creator, the God of heaven and earth, the God that said that earth is His footstool and heaven is His throne. That is the God we're made to worship. Isaiah 43 verse 21 says this, The people I formed for myself. I mean, you know, God knit us together in our mother's wombs. He formed us. He shaped us. And you're one of a kind. Come on, turn to somebody and look at them. Look at them real quick. Can you imagine that nose on your face? Come on, I'm just being real. Can you imagine that hair on your head? I'm just, or lack, amen, whatever. God formed us. He said, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim what? My praise. Psalms chapter 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that hath breath, what? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So when you look at the Psalms, when you look at different scriptures throughout the Bible, you see over and over and over again, the scriptures tells us that if we're breathing, we should be breathing praises to God. Why? Because we were made to worship. And the Bible is clear that God is actively looking for people who will truly worship Him. And it's interesting because if you think about it, it kind of sounds like a no-brainer. Like, why wouldn't we worship God? Why wouldn't we give Him our praise and our honor to a God that loves us, who provides for us, who promises fulfillment for us, a God that knows how many number of hairs is on your head? Come on, somebody. And when you get out of the shower and you look down, guess what? He subtracted, amen, so He knows all that. A God that the Bible says collects all of your tears and holds them in a bottle. I, I don't think he's talking about a literal bottle, but I do believe he's talking about whatever hurts you, whatever impacts you, impacts him. This is the God 
that formed us and created us. So why wouldn't we give Him our worship? And the answer to that is because there's a battle for our worship. And this battle has been going on since the beginning of time. And Isaiah 14 kind of gives us a glimpse into when this battle started. Now, we don't know the exact timing. There's a, there's a lot of theories on this. Some say between Genesis 1-1, Genesis 1-2, like the gap theory. But we don't really know. But here's what happens. There was one of the angels in heaven decided... That he wanted all of the praise and all of the honor and all of the glory for himself. Like above God. He wanted that. Which incidentally, let me kind of take a little side trip on you if I will. There are actually three mentioned angels in the Bible. Three named angels in the Bible. The first one was, was Michael. Come on, you remember Michael? Michael, the, the archangel. And so anytime you read about Michael in the Bible, there's a battle coming. Like, like he's suplexing somebody. He's body slamming some folks. Like there's, there's this battle, but there's the battle and it's centered around prayer. You remember in Daniel chapter 10 where Daniel was on a 21-day fasting and praying time in his life. He's really seeking God for for a message. And, And the angel told Daniel, the angel shows up on the 21st day of the fast. And the angel tells Daniel, he says, Daniel, listen, the first day you prayed. The first day you prayed, you unleashed something in heaven. There was something that happened, and I was coming to answer your prayer. I was coming to you, but there was this evil spirit that was hindering me and wrestling with me. But then Michael showed up. Come on, somebody. Michael showed up, drop-kicked the guy, and I'm here to answer your prayers. And incidentally, let me say this. This is why it's so important that you pray. It's so important that you put time in prayer because when you pray, you unleash something in the heavens. And so anytime you read about Michael, it's it's about battling, praying, if you will. The second one is Gabriel. And Gabriel is always delivering a message. He's delivering a word. It's kind of like when he he showed up with Mary and told Mary, you're going to be pregnant. It's not going to be by a man. It's going to be by the Holy Spirit. But then the third mentioned angel in the Bible is is one by the name of Lucifer. And Lucifer was involved in worship. So prayer, the word, and worship, which incidentally, these are the three main parts of Christianity. Every Sunday you come in here, you're going to get some worship, you're going to get prayer, and you're going to get the word. And so you've got these different named angels, but this one angel named Lucifer, Satan or the devil, wanted all of the worship for himself. And so let's read what he said in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. I want to draw your attention to two words that he constantly used. And it is the words, I will. Watch what he said. I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. Now I want you to notice everything that's happening here. He's always trying to go above God. He's always going up. I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the cloud. I will make myself, watch this, like the most high. And you understand that 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 phrase, that thing irritated Satan. Because he didn't like the fact that God was the most high God. But here's what I would say to you. It really doesn't matter Whether you like it or not, God is the most high God. 
He's all-powerful. He is, he is everything. And we serve Him and we worship Him. Which incidentally, this is why God takes it personal when we put other things above Him. God takes it personal when we start loving things more than we love Him. You have to be careful because when you put something above God, when you start loving something more than God, what you're doing is the exact same thing Satan did. And this is a dangerous place to live. And so Satan was trying to put himself above God. And as a result, God kicked him out of heaven. And a third of the angels followed him. In Isaiah 14, 12, this is not in your notes. You can read about this where it talks about how he was fallen from heaven. Luke chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus talked about the event. He saw the event. He had sent the disciples out and he sent them out to do ministry. And they came back and they're all excited and they're like, God, man, the healing's taking place. Like the devils are, are subject to us. And Jesus said, yeah, let me tell you why that was. Let me tell you what my dad did. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. See, a lot of times we've got this, this warped imagination where we think there's this big God and this big devil, and it's like Star Wars, like they're battling each other out. But you understand that Jesus said, man, I just looked up one day and got, and it was over. Like Satan fell like lightning out of heaven. And so you understand that ever since then, Satan has been trying to get people to worship him. He even tried to get Jesus to worship him while he was on the earth. Before Jesus began his public ministry, Jesus went on a, a, a season of fasting and praying for 40 days. And after 40 days, Satan came to tempt him. And one of the temptations was centered around worship. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give to you. Notice what, what he's saying. All this I'll give to you, he said, if you'll bow down and worship me. In other words, he's saying, I'll give you everything you've ever wanted. All you have to do is give me your worship. Now watch how Jesus responds. Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now you understand that Jesus won the battle that day, but Satan didn't quit. He started focusing on you and I. Which is why Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6 verse 10. Thy kingdom come. Watch these two words. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So right there the battle lines were drawn. It's I will versus thy will. I will. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about what's comfortable to me and pleasing to me versus thy will. God, it's all about you. I give you the praise. I give you the honor. I'm open to you. I will versus thy will. And here's the thing. You get to decide. You get to decide which one you're going to worship. Is it going to be you or something else or is it going to be God? So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The first thing you have to recognize is that I am a worshiper. I am a worshiper. You and I, we are worshipers. Now you understand that, that there's, there's a little bit of a problem, if you will, because Michael is still helping. He's still battling, still allowing our prayers to be answered. Gabriel is still there giving the word and the messages through the Holy Spirit. But there's an unemployed angel in heaven. There's a vacancy in the role of worship. 
So the question is, why didn't God put another angel in that spot of worship? Here's a question for you. Who is the new worship leader? Turn to somebody and say, you. You and I are the new worship leaders. Why? Because we were made for worship. And you understand what that worship, the the word worship means. It means reverence, adore, pay homage. So worship is the honor we give to who or what we value the most. So the question is not whether you're a worshiper or not. You are. The question is to whom or what do you give the highest value to? Because the one that you give the highest value to in your life, by definition, that's who you worship. That's who you worship. And it could be anything. People worship sports. People worship themselves. Come on. How many of you know exercise is a really good thing? Have you ever been to the gym before and seen those people? Come on. Don't look at them because you know who they are. Those people that spend more time in the mirror than on the equipment. Come on, somebody. Anybody? Yeah, we know you. Amen. So what is going on there? There's some people that worship their bodies. Now, obviously, I don't. Amen. But there's some people that do. There's some people that worship their vehicles. Like their whole identity is like constantly cleaning and waxing and taking like selfies, all that good stuff. All about their vehicle. And listen, there's nothing wrong with keeping a clean car. There's been a few cars I've been in. And I'm like, dude, we could put together a couple of Happy Meals right here. But anyway... The battle over your worship doesn't mean that you don't care about yourself or your stuff, but it does require that you settle who's going to assign the highest value in my life. And before you make that decision, you need to understand what God said and what He laid out for us in the Ten Commandments. The first of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 and 5, You shall have no other gods before me, You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or the earth beneath or in the waters below. Come on, how many of you know that takes care of everything? You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. You understand what God's saying right here? He's saying that anything or anyone that you idolize other than God is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. He created us. He loves us supremely. He sent his son to die for us. He put it all on the line for us. So again, it's not a question whether you're a worshiper or not. You are. It's who or what do you worship? So let me ask you a pointed question. Is God first in your life? Or does he get the leftovers? Who is assigned the highest value in your life? It's got to be God. It's got to be God. He created us to worship. So you say, okay, pastor, I get that. I'm created to worship. I'm supposed to be a worshiper. I'm supposed to worship God. How do I worship? How do I worship? Let me give you four ways on how to worship God. The first way is authenticity. Authenticity. You've got to be open and honest with God. You've got to be real about the different situations you face in life. Sometimes in life you're on top of the mountain, sometimes the mountain's on top of you. And you got to be honest about that. You've got to go before God with an open heart to say, God, here's what's going on in my life. Here's what I'm dealing with. I'm not trying to fake it till I make it. Here's the reality of where I'm at. And God is looking for people like that. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the what? True worshipers 
will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. We have to be willing to worship God with an open heart. We have to be honest with God to engage God because He knows who you are. So we worship Him authentically. Here's the second way we worship God, with reverence. With reverence. You understand that this is God. You you, you don't just, like, what's up? You know, you don't do that. Like, He's God. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 tells us, Kind of how to worship Him. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God acceptably. How do we do that? With reverence and awe. With reverence and awe. You know, in Exodus chapter 19, this is not in your notes. You might want to write this down. Exodus chapter 19, verse 10 and 11 There was a time where the children of Israel and Moses was there and and God was saying, hey, I want to come and I want to meet with the people. And so God says, hey, before I do that, he gives Moses some specific instructions. He says, I want you to, to, to wash your clothes, concentrate yourself and wait for three days. So you understand what God was saying? He was saying, hey, I need you to wash and wait. And if you do that, I'm going to come down so you can be clean and close. So wash and wait so I can have you clean and close. So there's there's times in our life where when you go before God, this is a serious thing. You're going before God. You're opening up your heart. You're opening up your life. You're going before a God that loves you and cares for you and has a plan and a purpose for your life. And there are times where you just need to recognize that He's God. Like He's God. And I'm going in to His presence. And so I need to be reverent when I do that. Here's the third way we worship with with purity. With purity. A lot of different examples we can look at in this, but Isaiah really kind of stands in my mind. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah has this amazing encounter with God and, and he sees the Lord high and lifted up. He sees the Lord like exalted on his throne. There's angels flying around crying out, holy, holy, holy. There's, there's all this stuff happening. And in that moment, Isaiah has a realization. He says, wait a minute, I'm not pure. Like I'm not pure. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5 through 7, watch what he says. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined Why? For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Do you understand that when you enter into the presence of God, if there's anything that's going on in your heart, in your life, God's going to bring that to your remembrance? He's going to bring that up. And it's in that moment that God has given you the opportunity to purify, to say, God, this is what's going on in my life. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm struggling. Father, forgive me. Like the psalmist said, create in me a clean heart, O Lord, renew in me a right spirit. You understand, again, you're coming into the presence of a holy God where the Bible says sin can't even stand in His presence. So when you enter into His presence, if there's anything in the way, that's going to come up and you've got to get that right. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is tight today. 
So we're worshipers. We worship God with authenticity. We worship God with reverence. We worship God with purity. Here's the last one. We worship God with unity. With unity. Why did we do what we did this morning? Unity. Second Chronicles chapter 5. Solomon has built the temple. Everything's ready to go. They've, they've brought the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. And, and you understand what the Ark of the Covenant is. That's the God box. That was the presence of God in the Old Testament. And so they, they brought that in. And, and Solomon's praying and, and, and he's asking God to come in. But watch what happens in 2 Chronicles 5, verse 13 and 14. It says, It came even to pass that as the trumpeters and the singers were what? As one. Don't miss that. When the trumpeter, the singers, all these guys, the worship team, were as one to make one sound to be heard in the praising and thanking the Lord. It says, And then when they had lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good. His mercy endureth forever. Watch what happens. It says that then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. I couldn't help but notice that when they got in unity, when they came together as one, that the presence of God showed up. Happened again in Acts chapter 2 on the inauguration of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that, that these guys were up in the upper room. They were praying. They were seeking God. And the Bible says when they were in one mind, in one accord, when unity was present, that the Holy Spirit fell down in that moment. You remember Jesus' prayer before He left the earth? He praised God that we, that's you and I, we would be as one as He and the Father are as one. And this is why one of, the, one of the reasons why we do what we do, one of the reasons why it's so important to be in God's house, to be watching online, to be connected with a community of believers, to say, I am attached to that vision, I'm attached to that house. And it's in that unity that God's presence shows up, that God's presence falls in that moment. You know, there's a song that came out several years ago. You remember the song, By Mercy Me, I Could Only Imagine? Come on, how many of you remember that song, I Could Only Imagine? Do you understand the words of that song? Do you understand what was happening in that moment? It's talking about that moment when we see God. When we see God. Listen to what it says. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance before you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. That's talking about adoration. It's talking about going into the presence of God. And guys, can I just tell you something, man? Next week... Next week, we have an opportunity to unify around a vision that God has given to us. To come together in one mind and in one accord to say, man, we believe in the vision. 
We believe in what God wants to do in this house. We believe that God is, is, is raising up leaders. We believe that God is bringing people in that need to hear the gospel. We believe that, that our kids are, are, are needing more space. Our students are needing more space. Our worship area is needing more space. We, we, we believe in that vision. And so next week we can unify around that. Just say, man, I want to be a part of that. But it's not just building, you understand. It's, it's sowing. It's sowing into Triple S High School. It's sowing into our community. It's sowing into outreach. It's, it's, it's more than just the expansion. Yes, that's, that's kind of what the highlight is. But there's more to it than that. And can I tell you something? The leaders of this house believe in the vision so much to where they've already come together. And do you know what the leaders of the house... Now, now I'm only talking about a few families... Do you understand the leaders of the house have bought into the vision so much? You, you, you know what? You know what they've done? They've already committed $87,000 to a project. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm about to run some laps up in here. Amen. That's the leaders in the house. $87,000. The leaders of this house said, you know what? Let's go. Let's unify. Let's, let's buy into this thing. And let's make it happen. And so next week when you come in here, you should have a card. If you don't have one, we have some available for you today. We'll have some available for you next week. I want you to grab that card and say, Pastor, how, how can I get involved? I just want you to pray about it. I just want you to pray about it. But here's what I can tell you. That we all got to get involved. Man, I saw our kids coming in and they got some bricks and they're full of coins and they were bringing them in this morning. I saw that. Why? Because everybody has to get involved. It's almost like when you're, when you're whitewater rafting. Come on, anybody ever been whitewater rafting before? Four of you. It's all good. You're whitewater rafting and you come to the final rapid. That's like the, that's the big boy, right? That's the one where the, the, the guide says, all right, guys, we're, we're at the final turn. We got one more rapid to go. And the only way we're going to make it through this rapid is if what? Everybody paddles. Everybody's paddling. And so what happens when you're around that curve? He says, I go. Everybody is doing everything they can trying to get through that one rapid. But because everybody's involved, because there's unity involved, you get through that rapid. And so next week we have an opportunity to bring a one-time gift to say, God, man, I'm giving you this. I'm not only just worshiping you in the congregation, I'm worshiping you in the area of my giving. I'm giving you everything I've got. And so you have an opportunity to give a one-time gift. You have an opportunity to make a commitment over the next three years to see what God wants to do in this house come to fruition. We're worshipers. We're worshipers. We're created. We're made to worship God and God alone. And you have to be careful because the battle line is drawn, right? The enemy of your soul, Lucifer, Satan, he is trying to pull you into worshiping something else. He's trying to pull you into putting something else above God. But you have to constantly fight that battle to say, Lord, not my will but thy will be done. I'm giving you everything I've got. And I'm going to worship you passionately. How do I do that? Authenticity. 
But God, I just want to be open with you. I want to be real with you. You understand there's no need in you trying to hide anything from God. Because He already knows. So it's coming to that moment, that point in your life to say, God, I just want to be real with you. And this is where I'm dealing with. And this is the things that's going on in my heart, in my life. And I need your help. And you're authentic with God. You're also reverencing God. You recognize that because He is God, this is not something that you treat like a fire escape. So the only time you call out to Him is when you need something. This is a reverent heart to go in and say, God, you're God. And I'm not. And I need you. It's going into that place in His presence with a pure heart. And it's coming in unity around a bunch of believers to say, God, we're giving you everything we've got. And we're going to make it happen. So stand with me all over the house. Father, thank you for moments like this. Thank you for the privilege to be in your house, to serve, to worship you, to honor you, to glorify you, to worship you passionately. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Father, help us to always put you above everything. Help us to always love you more than anything else in this whole world. Help us to turn our hearts and our minds and our focus on you. We worship passionately because of who you are. You created us to worship. In Jesus' name. Bow your heads with me all over the house today. Maybe you slipped in today. Maybe you're watching online. And during, during the worship, during the message, God began to speak to your heart. Begin to kind of prick your heart, if you will. And He said, hey, man, I want a relationship with you. You, you. you understand that the reason why you're here, the reason why you're watching is because God set you up. He set all that up to bring you into a place where you could hear the gospel and respond to it. The gospel always needs a response. So maybe you're in here today or watching online and God is speaking into your heart and you say, Pastor, man, I want to worship passionately. I want to give God everything I've got. I want to serve Him. I want to go all in for Him. I want to live biblically. I want the Bible to be my compass for life. God, I, I, just, I just want to give it all to Him. I want to accept Him as my Savior today. If that includes you today and you mean business with God, He means business with you, would you just be willing to slip a hand and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. Online right now. If you mean business with God, just write in the chat box, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to go all in for Jesus. I want to give Him my heart. I want to give Him my life. I want to give Him everything I've got. I want to worship passionately. In Jesus' name.